Well, hello there, everyone. I am back recording my podcast here on the last night of me um, having a place to stay where I live. Um, And, you know, let's go ahead and just get into that a little bit. Um, I know we talked about how proud I am of myself that um, I am managing this so well. I have a, I have a like a 2007 um, Lexus RX, and that Lexus RX is broken down right now. Um, it was cold during the winter. Um, I didn't have money to keep it insured or get it registered or whatever, and it just the battery died. And I just I haven't um, I haven't really felt great driving lately, so it's, it's kind of there. Been in the garage for you know several months. And just sitting there, so I don't have a car to, like, drive out of here. And that's, you know, not poor me. I'm just explaining context for the scenario. Um, and a car, what it really does for you when you're first, uh, you know, experiencing homelessness. What I've experienced from watching others, or, like, observed is, you know, it essentially provides a place to protect your belongings. And it provides a place to, you know sleep or move around or have some privacy or some type of thing. You know, it's your little apartment on wheels until it inevitably, you know, it seems like a lot of people, they break down or whatever have, but it's initially like the place you can at least be. As you sort things out and work it out, and I owned my car completely, 100%, I had no debt, and I made the decision, and it was my choice, um, for a few reasons, to experience debt um, one of the reasons is I had never experienced debt before in my life. Um, outside of a mortgage that we had a couple of times, um, but other than that, like, I'd never had a late payment. Perfect credit, like, literally never a late payment, never anything not carrying, like, consumer loans or anything like that, and just not that, like, not that student loan debt or just that credit card debt or that burden that I know so many people, um, find themselves in. And I realized, well, I understand what I'm doing here. And I understand how valuable and important this work is here. And um, not just the work that you guys know about on Access Healing Solutions, but the real work I've been doing. Because I have been working nonstop for the last five years on so many things. And I... I'm going to take the time to explain everything to everyone, but it might honestly take another five years, guys. It's that much work. And the things I've done are some of the hardest, most challenging problems and things that are facing our nation, and I've hit them head on. And they're mean and nasty things, and I've dealt with them head on, primarily alone. And that's a difficult um, position to be in. So it's 9.30 here. And I mean, if I'm going to say names, I'm going to say names because I have to say names because they're part of the story. It's not a secret. During my time at Intermountain Healthcare, which is called Intermountain Health now, Gail Miller was the chairman of the board Now, Gail and the Miller family are the most lovely people. 
by reputation that I'm aware of in the state of Utah. I've never heard a bad thing. They're engaged in the community. They are generous. They are philanthropists. They are the model, ideal people that you'd want to have in your state. Absolutely amazing, lovely, kind, hardworking, honest, just legitimately. I have not heard anything but the best about the Miller family. And part of the reason I have honestly struggled so much to share my own story is in part to protect that reputation um, because I know some of the things that I have to say are in no way, shape, or form reflective of um, Mrs. Miller as an individual, the business person, as anyone. I just suspect that she has absolutely no idea what happened to my story because, you know, she's the chairman of the board of an extraordinarily large institution, so not everything's making up there. You don't want, you want to filter out the worst of the worst things, but why am I going to her? Because the leadership team from the CEO down covered this up and did not help me. So where do you go when the CEO isn't communicating accurately to the board. Now, I want everyone to understand, I worked there for a long time, and I understand the amazing job that the communications department at Intermountain Health does to put together a board report. Guys, it is a work of art, and it is a production, and it takes months, and it is curated, combed over, thought about, repositioned, rethinked, it is the most delicate thing ever. Nothing but the happiest and best friendly and kind news. And I dare say, not an accurate depiction of the organization as a whole. Now, am I saying this is unique to Inner Mountain or other people don't do the same thing or this isn't what you should do or wrong or right? Absolutely not. I'm just pointing out that's how it is. So I'm very much aware of this. Um, and as someone that's ever thinking of getting gainful employment again at Inner Mountain or somewhere else, like, you know, you don't just start reaching out to board members directly. However, that's exactly what I've done, and that's exactly what I'm going to continue to do, especially the chairman of the board during my time there, and the chairman of another board that has furnished the mental health um, situation report for the state of Utah. Again, Scott Anderson and Gail Miller. The organizations that I'm trying to talk to and communicate to, those names keep popping up. And I know you're both good, honorable people and want to do the right thing and the best thing. And what I am communicating to you is you will hear my story one way or the other because it's such an important story. And when a story is so important, it rises to the top, even if initially there's attempts to keep it down. For whatever reasons or intentions, that's not what we're getting into. What I'm communicating is this story will make it up. And I don't want it to be one of embarrassment, because here's the thing that's challenging. I'm neighbors with Miss Miller. She's in my ward. I see her several times over the last few years, and that's not comfortable information. No one wants that public or on a podcast or anything. But what am I supposed to do? It's part of my story. It's the truth, and it doesn't go away. I 
unbeknownst to me at the time, our neighbors, with the chairman of the board at the time of my incident. Because what I have found in my life, and Elder Rasban from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints likes to call it divine design, in his conference talk he gave five years ago, well, Elder Rasban is two doors down from me, an apostle of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is two doors down from me right now. I see him in the elevator at the most unusual times when I don't know why I'm there and he doesn't know why he's there and we look at each other and it's a little bit awkward because he's like, oh, I don't know who you are. And, you know, it's an awkward position. I'm sure he's used to everyone coming up to him and just oohing and on. And I'm kind of like, Elder Rasman, I have some important things I need to talk to you about involving divine design in regards to suicide in the state of Utah, something I've been working on for five years. And I had no idea that I was getting on the same floor as you, even though it has been pointed out to me several times, like, you know who lives? I'm like, I I you are all telling me this. And then sure enough, it's like, well, there you go. What a great opportunity for a conversation in the elevator. And I'm just sharing all this information because it provides such an interesting, unique context of the situation I'm in right now. Because I'm still trying to play within the system and protect everyone else's reputations and not just say, hey guys, this looks horrible for you. I just want to have a place to live. I want to get it resolved. I want someone to hear this story and say, yeah, you know, I feel like uh, we could probably take care of you a little bit better than we did. That doesn't really look reflective of the type of board we want to be, the type of leadership team we want to be, the type of community we want to be. Um, and I understand my responsibility in this. I've disappeared. But I'm trying to say, guys, I need some help. You are people of means. I know you care. I know you're interested in the types of things that I've done. I know you would support me. But I also understand that you're busy, absolutely busy as can be, and we don't have personal relationships. And here's another thing that's very unique about this situation, guys. I am not doing very good socially as a result of PTSD from this incident still. So it's not just with people that have some type of leadership position, a stature of something in the community that I think everyone kind of has a little bit of like a struggle with of like, oh, like, are they going to treat me like I'm at the same level or par as them? Like, I'm sure they hear pitches and things all the time. This isn't a pitch, guys. I've put my own every penny I have into this because it's lives of people in the state of Utah. And I'm trying to share it in a way that I don't have to share it three months from now when I'm coming back off the street because I couldn't get the message out in time because of my own challenges with knowing the appropriate route to take because I've sent letters, I've emailed. Like, if I come knock on one of your guys' door, I don't know what you're going to do. Who's this guy knocking on our door? Because here's the thing. I'm tall and I'm big. 
And in starting this research, I used to have a clean shaven face, like just nice guy. I passed like everyone else in the community. I wore suits and ties and I just fit in. Well, let me tell you twofold. I prepared another time to end my own life. And in doing so, I got rid of all of my possessions. I don't own darn near a thing. I don't own a stitch of furniture. I have a pad that I sleep on on the ground. And I have a little bit more clothes than I wish I did because at a certain point I recognize like, well, I'm going to need to buy a couple more shirts and a couple more pairs of pants because it's just not, I'm not fitting in correctly in the right places. Because when I was out doing research and talking to people and trying to figure things out, they'd like, you're too clean cut. We're not going to talk to you. We don't know who, we don't know who you are. You don't belong here. It's like, okay, well, I'm very curious in hearing your stories. I want to hear the truth. I want to prove to you I care. So I'll come out every day and I'll come out for a couple of years and I'll get to know you and I'll listen and I'll just be there. And if you guys want to come talk to me, you can and you don't have to, but you're welcome to. And obviously I've got, you know, and it's taken time. And in doing so, I had to fit in in one side, let's say the, uh, the homeless side of our state, um, even though, you know, it's an anomaly for both sides of this equation. And then I come back to the nicest place to live in all of Salt Lake City, a place that I could easily afford well within my means, within the salary of my full-time employment. Just a tiny little bugger, just a little studio. But I love to be able to walk. I don't like to drive. It's a challenge for me sometimes, and I very much appreciate the proximity just to be able to walk to places I need to be. Um, and again, I just give a lot of details because I think it adds some, some flavor and clarity on, on how I've positioned and set up my life. I very much appreciate um, being able to walk to work, stay late and walk home while everyone else is in traffic. I commuted to Salt Lake from Ogden for a very long time. And I just I can't spend two and a half hours in the car anymore. I just want to be able to walk where I'm going, if possible. It's much better for my mental health to be able to force myself to walk to work and walk home and that was one of the pure joys I had of discovering that it's just how nice it can be um, for mental health it forces that activity it forces the walk the outside the fresh air it's like I'm there it was it was a healthy thing for me so I tried to recreate that um, so I'm explaining myself in great detail so everyone understands this weird conflict I'm in I'm like I know that these people would help me in an instant somehow some way and here's the thing, I'm not asking for a handout or begging. I have actual work, actual stories, actual ideas, actual solutions, actual experience, not to mention a complete disrespect and an event that was not becoming in the way it was handled of um, the leadership at Intermountain in any way, shape, or form, or the board, and even though it's been five years for my own personal mental health and healing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to get some type of closure, even if that closure is them ignoring me and just saying, absolutely, we're not going to say or acknowledge a thing. 
and I'll have it on the podcast and someone else can listen to it and say, man, that's a horrible story. I can't believe that's how it went down. And the truth is the truth. And that's how it is. So, I mean, Scott Anderson, I'm talking to you on a podcast. You don't know who I am. I know who you are because I've seen your picture on the back of like basketball program since I was a little boy as the CEO of Zion's Bank. So it's not like you're hiding who you are. Like, I see it at the food court. I see it at the Zion's ATM as I'm walking to the food court because we're both going to get some food. Like, tomorrow I'm going to have to maybe say, hey, hey, uh, Mr. Anderson, I couldn't reach you. I sent you an email, some things. Um, can I get a few bucks for, can I get a few bucks for, for a bite to eat? Um, I have a lot to offer the state. I'm a hard worker. Um, I've struggled to communicate some things and, you know, this is my fault. I've kind of just, you know, got lost in some other things because you guys don't even understand the real story yet. Um, and, you know, I'm just starting at the very beginning and here we are, 17 minutes in, I've rambled. I mean, I could send an email, I could like go stand on social media with my face and say, hey guys, will someone help me, will someone help me? Like, when you have something important to communicate, and this is just the way I think, I'm a weird thinker, guys, but what I'm trying to communicate is I am not impressed by celebrity or any of that. I'm not interested in talking to any of you guys at all. I don't want friends, I don't want to hang out, I don't want to say anything, I'm saying, hey, I need to talk to you, and I think it's probably in your best interest as well, because this story just doesn't look good the way it's going right now. It's going off the tracks, and it'll be un, it'll be not possible to disassociate um, our names from it just because we're at the same place at the same time. Not because you did anything wrong. But just because I don't know how to tell the story without this being a big part of the story. Um, so I communicate all that because I feel like I have to over communicate things so people understand what I'm thinking and my intentions and why I've done or do some of the things I do that other people don't think about. I'm an extraordinarily complex, thoughtful person. And I don't want to catch someone off guard with information that I would prefer not be caught off guard with myself. However, and this is one of the most unfortunate, tragic things I think we have in our society. You can give all of the warnings in the world, which like, why are you threatening us? No, I'm not threatening anyone. I'm communicating. I have this story I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell it as it is to the best of my ability and the way it's going as a character in the story. I would not want to be in your position because I recognize that the position that you're in for whatever reason isn't reflective of who you are and you might be mortified if you understood um, just how bad it already gotten and how awkward it could go. 
Um, so who do I send this to? How do I communicate this in a way that it's safe and friendly and understood? And it's like, oh, that, well, wow, that's, a, that's a thoughtful person. They're, they truly are looking out for us. They're not asking for a handout. They've suffered a legitimate, you know, legitimate damage and experience it according to unsolicited advice and opinions from like pretty senior people that, you know, um, was all fed to me through the grapevine for like one or two people, like the last two conversations I had before everyone just disappeared on me. Like, oh, so and so, I talked to like these five people, and this is all what they said. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Well, I mean, I'm not even thinking about that right now. Um, so then I have to think about it this way. Um, and you know, this is jumping back into my last podcast, but I mean, who cares? I, no one's going to listen to this anyway. It's Sunday night at ten o'clock. So we might as well just put it all out as it is. Like, um, yeah, on my podcast earlier, we got into, well, you need to sue them. And I explained, or didn't explain in detail, like, I personally have some real strong reservations with the way, like, tort law works with healthcare in the United States. I think it's ruined healthcare to a lot of respect. So me being that naive, idealist, like type person I am, I was like, well, I'm not going to participate in something that I myself don't believe. Like, I don't, I don't think that that's the right direction to go. Surely they're going to do something to help correct this or steer, like, you know, straighten the ship. And I had no idea I would never be returning or any of those things. And that just would have been horribly uncomfortable. However, now I recognize, and I was given wise advice at the time that I didn't pay attention to, but the advice I would give to everyone everywhere, anywhere now, is if you have an opportunity to sue Intermountain Healthcare with a tort, sue them to death and don't stop because they will ignore you and they won't help you from my personal experience. Maybe you're different than I am. My experience is they did nothing to help make me whole, make this right, not at the time and definitely not now. And understand, not everyone remembers, and I'm sure there's a lot of emails and it's busy and confusing, but I'm kind of that guy that um, you don't want to, um, it's kind of like, oh yeah, that might be the customer we need to take care of because um, they've got a lot of interesting ideas on how to bring attention to things and for no other reason than just making sure that they can get restored. And again, that's, again, not counting for the work that I've done that I need someone to be interested in because someone I know certainly is interested in knowing the work I've done on suicide prevention in the state of Utah and wants to hear me out and have the conversations. Um, why haven't you just shared it? Why haven't you written a book? Why haven't you done those things? I intend to do all those things. I absolutely do. It's been extraordinarily triggering and taxing on my own mental health to reevaluate some of these things. So having some time away has been nice of not having to like relive it, you know, my specific personal experience um, and be able to, you know, have, have some learning and understanding through others. But I absolutely um, will be doing all those things. But again, it's uh, as we communicated in the last podcast, um, when you have a, an event like this, it can become a ripple effect of events. Um, that you are not anticipating at times years apart and they're somehow all related 
whether people believe or understand that at all. But it's true. And I know it's true because I have had too many conversations with too many people that have these similar patterns or loops of things. And um, even if it's things that are only unique or make sense to them as prompts or reminders, but I know how important it is um, to be able to to be able to communicate these things. So I'm going to go ahead and pause this for a minute because, you know, my audience is a lot of different people and the audience that I'm most concerned about and care most about is that very small number of people that are struggling right now with suicidal ideation. They've tried to talk to a counselor. They've tried to talk to a healthcare professional. They've tried to talk to so many people and no one's understood or is understanding the patterns or some of the things. Guess what, guys? I understand. I promise you I do. <laughs> and if I never got a dollar, I have had some hugs from some people that said, you're the first person in 30 or 40 years that's understood what I'm trying to say. And there was tears. And that... It's been the joy of my life. And I'll just go outside. And someone will come up to me. And we'll have a conversation for an hour or two or three or four on the street. And they'll be able to share some things and validate some of their experiences. And start to heal. Because for the first time they were listened to and heard and their experiences that other people are like, no, that's that's this or that's this. like, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Exactly. I had that experience as well. And so did these other two people that I've talked to. It's like we're starting a little club. And they can't believe it. And I can't believe it. And it's some type of testimony to me of the work that I've done. And it's helped me and it's helped them and helping people heal from some of these things and move forward is what Access Healing Solutions is all about. Because we're going to create as many solutions and communication tools and stories and mechanisms in and outside of healthcare, whatever they need to be, to be able to allow people to have some conversations or ways of dealing with things that they can start to turn things in their life around and decide they want to live again because it can be challenging here so i know we've bounced all over the place but i appreciate you listening and i'm going to take a break for a little bit and then we'll get right back to it thank you